This is gonna be fucking fun. Ryan, you are in the hole with Major League A-Holes. This is also Sox type thing. Episode number 14. The Paul Konerko episode. I, I definitely had him top of the list, but I was also wanted to get your thoughts if it could possibly be Belton, Bill Melton's episode. Mm. I didn't realize he was number 14 until I looked at the, the full history of your jersey list, but yeah, I think it's got to be Konerko. That'd be Polly K for me. He's right up there on the wall, sign. Yeah, sign world, right there. All world the champion of you viewing at home. Yes, world champion. I mean, how how can he not? He is probably besides Burley. He's probably one of my favorites White Sox ever. Yeah, just went about his business. That's right. Uh, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> things have developed <laughs> this season, <laughs> this week. That that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, I think we have some clarity as to the future of the White Sox in 2022. It is essentially over. Uh, similarly, uh, I think you still have a chance in the wild card. I think yeah. you're not mathematically eliminated. Yeah, we're not mathematically eliminated. Well, but we'll talk, mentally we are. We'll talk about how we got there. Your Giants are in a similar situation. I don't think you're mathematically eliminated from the wild card either, but it's pretty much really? over. Really? Oh, I thought it was. So you're... Your, your guys are finally joining my teams that have been eliminated for quite some time now. So I think we could officially call this the regular season wrap up episode of the simulcast between in the hole and socks type thing. We'll get into that. We'll get into what we think our team should prioritize in these, in this off season. Uh, what, what are the, what should be at the top of the list, our off season to do lists for each of the franchises to put us in a better position to compete and do some damage in 2023. Uh, We also had some major milestones uh, or on the precipice of major milestones that we touched briefly on last week with Aaron Judge and Albert Pujols. So got some thoughts about that. So, but let's go ahead and jump into the news. Now here's the news. It's the news. The big news. Oh, fuck, Scotty, that is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents This Week in Baseball. Uh, (laughs) It's been a week, quite a week for you. uh, Well, the Sox, uh, have we won since we last talked? I don't think think they have, right? We did this last Monday or is it last Tuesday? And you have not won since. So. We have not won since we talked. And it was all about you got to sweep the Guardians. And and then 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 we go from there. And, and, and as Smitty has said over and over again, you know, you should you should be able to sweep the Tigers. Well, not it's only like a given that you would sweep the, the Tigers. And you but, know, the, uh, the only question mark is what you do against the Indians. But failed the Guardians, you owe five dollars into the. Uh, Sorry, the jar. Did I say Indians again? <laughs> you did. You did. Wow, I had I had Guardians in my mind. That's crazy. Wow, it's funny um, how that works. But uh, the Sox, I 
I think this is the best way to say it. In definitely in the Guardian series, and I did not see one game uh, of of the Tiger series, but in the Guardian series, the Guardians basically everything that was wrong with the White Sox season, outside of still being able to actually hit home runs, but not enough to win ball games. But everything else that was wrong with the White Sox all year was exploited and sort of culminated in that guardian series. Mm. And, and it was, it was almost fitting. It was a, it was a fitting yeah, way could... to kind of put the nail in the coffin for the AL central. Um, the, the guardians, it's funny the the white Sox were criticized for not hitting a lot of homers this year. The guardians don't hit a ton of homers either, but, but they will hit a single and the guy from first will be on third base in the blink of an eye. And it's just so reminiscent to me. The guardians this year were so reminiscent to me of those, uh, Ozzie Guillen, when he managed the white Sox, he used to call the, the twins, the piranhas. I think he called them the piranhas, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, we got the point. We got the point and they just did not go away. They'd always be nipping and they did all the, Mm. all the little things, right. And that's exactly the Guardians don't make a ton of mistakes and they capitalize on every opportunity. And it's really in, I don't think they're going to last long in the playoffs because their style of baseball isn't, isn't centered around what they're going up against. It's it's been um, enough to to beat the most mediocre division in baseball, but it, yeah, the worst division up, in baseball. Yeah, yeah, once you get into the upper echelons, I don't think they're going to have enough firepower or starting pitching potentially. But yeah, but we'll see. You It'll be know, fun to you see them try. Yeah, it'll be fun to see them try. But uh, but yeah, so I mean that was bad enough. But to your point, we were not math. And I, I think we were like a magic number of two or elimination of two from the wild card, probably, or something like I that. I think it's but, three. Yeah. Okay. Elimination number. So, you know, the wild card was still like looking okay. And then the powerhouse Motown rolls into town. Motown, That's right. Detroit rock city rolls into town and, the White Sox just look completely flat and, you know, they, any good pitching was wasted and all bad pitching was exploited and errors and yeah, we've, everything just kind of propelled everything that went wrong in the guardian series just continued right through the tiger series. Tigers feasted on your, on your bullpen. I mean, your starting rotation was pretty much lights out and then we'd get into the bullpen and just, dominate uh i think it was saturday they scored five runs in the in the eighth inning uh including javi baez uh quieting the crowd once again uh, he loves being the the villain on the south side there uh, as he hears a cascade of booze every time he comes comes to the plate i saw the stat at least through saturday i think he went over five on sunday but uh his stats through saturday at least he's this year against the white Sox. he's batting 348 uh, with nine RBI, four home run, uh, it might be uh, thirteen extra base hits. I think, or maybe it's nine extra base hits. It's it's a lot. Whatever's going on, I think it's probably his best numbers against any single opponent. So there's something about the heading back to Chicago, his his second home besides Puerto Rico. Uh, I don't think he I don't think he thinks of Detroit in the same way he thinks of the city of Chicago, since he was kind of raised there with the Cubs. Uh, but I think he also feasts on being 
being the the center of everyone's attention and ire and anger. Uh, he, he thrives on it. But the other notable moments in the series came on Sunday when Riley Green made probably the second best catch in guaranteed rate field history after uh was it Dwayne, Dwayne Wise? Dwayne Wise. Yeah. Um made the best catch to cinch the perfect game for Mark Burley. Similarly, Riley Green made an incredible catch in center field that kind of saved the game for them. I think if the if your White Sox had gone up 3-0 with Dylan Cease on the mound, I'm not sure the Tigers would have been able to come back and eventually win. But the, the, the irony is, as he was jumping, he, he inadvertently made the perfect Michael Jordan Jumpman pose, just like the logo. Uh, he had the exact same posture as he's making the catch. So that's been that's been used against uh white Sox social media in several ways but i thought that was thought that was just too fun and ironic to not to mention i did notice there were a couple fans reaching over the fence trying to interfere with him making, well, I mean, making the brilliant catch but... desperate times yeah. desperate times yes. <laughs> um hey did you see the javi before we move on to javi bias did you see the post game interview with him i did and how he um they basically, you know, said, "Hey, you must love uh, coming to Chicago and 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 like rising to the occasion and 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 winning." And he said, "Well, at least on this side of town." Mm. So it seems like he wouldn't want to play the villain if if the Tigers squared off against the Cubs. Yeah, I don't think he would enjoy that as much because I mean that's his that's his natural home, I think, or his second home, like I said. So yeah, that that, that makes sense. He thought that question through for sure. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, he, he definitely loves pissing you White Sox off. Uh, like you said, you you didn't watch much of the series. I caught highlights. I saw some of the game. There's a lot going on this weekend. Uh, lots of lots of awesome sports action, football, college football, NFL, NASCAR, everything happening. But I did catch some of it, but it was kind of an afterthought. I, I was certainly going into the series thinking Tigers had a good shot of getting swept. I would never have dreamed they were going to be the agent of doom essentially the they they ended pretty much ended the white Sox season and chiromania Cairo's going for three miguel Cairo, a grand slam Cairo with another deep drive to left in a second home run of the game after five long miserable months the white Sox finally played the way they envisioned all along Miguel Cairo may only be an interim manager, but it was his fiery speech that woke them up. If you don't want to be here, then get the fuck out. Yeah. Chiromania finally comes to an end. Chiromania is not enough to rise the socks above all their um, aforementioned... uh, inefficiencies or deficiencies or whatever you want to call it. I thought them. it was the answer. It seemed like the answer uh, as of last week. And then uh, that I, I made that fancy, fancy intro music and it all went yeah. to shit. I blame myself. But, but as, as you and I both uh, had the same thought, the, the socks over the last six games are like they got in a car accident and all of the players arms got ripped off like drummer Rick Ellen from a uh, deaf leopard. We, <laughs> We actually shared the same exact thought, everyone. I, I thought um, I was very clever sending you that meme or that that animated we, GIF of Def Leppard's drummer with one arm, and you had already you were about to send me the same joke, actually. But yeah, so um, 
Bad, I was trying. I was trying to diabolical get, minds think alike. Yeah, we both have the same sickness. Um, and we're yeah, I, I, I think you know the the main part of that though is you know Cairo has been part of the coaching staff now a coaching staff that has in in recent as we discussed last week may have been undermined by their manager. But I mean Tony doesn't Tony's an old dude. He doesn't have time to run around and and cover every bit of of coaching they're doing like for fielding and every and everything like that. So, hmm. you know, some of that has to be put back onto the coaching staff. And uh, I think, I think one thing is for sure, you know, uh, Miguel Cairo is not the answer. Um, I, in fact, I don't know that anyone on the coaching staff outside of maybe a couple people, um, if I had my way would, would, even be here next year but but mm. but that will be addressed uh when we get to the list of of off-season um things uh one thing that did become clear though this week was uh tlr will not be returning to the team uh this year the end of larusa palooza when was the last time you saw somebody intentionally walked on one and two i mean is that really a question You know who this is? It's uh, LaRusso. Quit the car and park! Team owner Jerry Reinsdorf knew about this DUI when he offered him the job. Is there, is there some question whether that was a good move or not? Yes! Yeah, conveniently after uh, after they got swept by uh, <laughs> Cleveland, it was announced that it was uh, doctors uh, would not clear Larusa to return this season to manage. Han was asked about his future, and he said we would address that in the off season. Which and he all should have med- been that all should yeah. that conversation should have happened three weeks ago. But yeah, and I guess all we got medical there eventually. Yeah, and all medical information would be kept personal per. Sure. Tony's requests, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Well, now it doesn't affect the team. You know, there's not not necessarily because of your being knocked out of the playoffs, essentially. But it just we don't need to know any more about Tony's condition other than he's doing OK or whatever. But that's a, that's certainly a personal matter. But when it was hanging over the team, whether he would come back or wouldn't, that was not I mean, that was certainly public, a public interest. So I could see yeah. why they've made that sh- that shift and. Could have been that way. It could have been handled that been handled that way all along, but for whatever reason, through stubbornness and arrogance, TLR chose not to. Yeah. So now it's. I mean, I I don't. I really don't care much about, <laughs> about the remainder of the season. I mean, they're, they're not going anywhere. Welcome I to mean, my world. I mean, outside of. I mean, for me though, uh, and I think for every White Sox out, uh, White Sox fan out there, uh, you know, this has to be the most disappointing season in White Sox history. Mm. Um, you know, it, the the thing I find funny, and I would be concerned a little bit if I was a Guardians fan, is that the Guardians are have such a chip on their shoulder that while celebrating. <laughs> their victory they they started the chant fuck the fuck the white Sox in wow. their in their celebratory chant and to be quite honest uh i mean i wouldn't 
I could care less about the White Sox at that point. It should be Boy, all about struck what, a nerve, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Like, what's next? I get the fun little social media things. And the way this article that I uh, forwarded to Smitty today that I started to read. That's me. Uh, <laughs> that guy over there, in case you're watching at home. Um, but I was like, oh, this is, you know. I find it all humorous to, to, be, to be honest. I'm not like, like I'm sure there's people who are fucking pissed off by it, but I just think it's all funny. And I, the social media stuff was hilarious and it was totally like, I got it. And then, you know, making fun of the podcasts and all that stuff makes total sense. But if you're even, you just won the AL central. Why are you even thinking about the white Sox in well, your celebration? I guess I could see, I mean, Elvis Andrews certainly gave them the classic bulletin board material. Cause when he just predicted that the guardians would, would crumble under the pressure. I'm sorry. I, agree. I think that's I where get, it started. I get that part, but like just chanting, fuck the white Sox. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, whatever. Yeah. It's not how I would want my team focusing at this point. I wouldn't, if the Sox had won the AL Central, I wouldn't want them chanting, fuck the Twins or fuck the Guardians, but, you know, whatever. You would want them to say, fuck the Tigers, though. Or the Tigers or the Royals. (laughs) Let me just be clear. I wouldn't not want them to talk about fucking anyone, especially Tim Tim Anderson. But anyway. (laughs) Actually, and uh, real quick before we move into all of our team's offseason needs, unless you had anything to add about the White Sox. I would just like to say that the good news is, um, which which I I, I think um, is going to be best for a long term for the club. Lewis Roberts been shut down. I don't mm. think Tim Anderson will be back now this season. That'd be which strange I think is, to come back with nine games left in the season. Uh, that that meaning, nine meaningless games in the right. season. He can be a hundred percent healthy. Um, so. In, in if there's if there's a if there's any somewhat good stuff uh, about about this is you're not going to have any you know lingering side effects going into next season for for some of these guys. I mean, I would even suggest playing um, <laughs> Eloy Jimenez on a on a limited basis at Boy. this point too. Yeah, that's I the mean, last thing you need for him to injure himself somehow in this yeah. last week. I mean, if anyone could injure themselves as a DH, it would be Eloy Jimenez. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I think that moves us into gracefully into the off season. Unfortunately, we have nine games left. I think all of our teams all have nine games left at this point, just over a week and a half. Uh, but I think we have to turn towards 2023 and look to how each of our clubs can get better this off season. What, what, the top of the list would be for what we want our general managers and presidents to do. And we might as well start right off with your white socks. Cause it seems like you have a long list. It's you would not think this is a team that was only one year removed from the playoffs and expected to run away with the AL central this year. But uh, the, the list is, is longer than I'd like it to be, but a lot of that are, or some of that, no, most of it has to do with not addressing the issues this year yeah. that need to be done. But first off, you got to start at the manager. They need to deal with the manager issue swiftly and with some due fucking diligence this time in the offseason. 
And again, I, I continue to lean towards Sandy Elamar as, as my lead candidate, but. So you're, you're writing off Tony La Russa as your manager. I am. I, I He's think I, moving to the front office. Is that, is that his exit exit plan or what? I think his exit plan is uh, due to health reasons. I'm not participating, participating in major league baseball activities anymore. That's my prediction. Yeah. I think that makes sense. You know, we need guys who we need someone at the helm that is going to actually hold these people accountable. And Mm. that was part of why Miguel Cairo had some limited success there. Um, But we also need to get a coaching staff in there, um, especially like guys like Daryl Boston and Joe McEwing, they need to go and they need to get a coaching staff in there. That's going (laughs) to get these guys back to, fucking fundamentals like Ozzy Guillen had the team playing in 05. So, um, you know, I don't know who it is. Like I said, Sandy Elmar has been on my short list for a long time now. So I've heard you bring that name up before. That's who I'd like it to be. Um, outside of that, the, you know, getting into the field, um, you have three starting pitchers signed going into next year. Cease Lynn and Kopech. Mm. Uh, Gio's contract is up. I'm assuming Gio, wherever he signs, is going to take a one year in a kind of, you know, somewhat not, not at the money that Carlos Rodon got, but he's going to take something in a prove yourself year. Yeah. If that's the case, I think it might be worth the White Sox taking a, a shot, uh, you know, bringing him back. And then then you have this long list of pitchers who are going to be available that the White Sox from, uh, again, it's interesting. So they have $144 million in, in payroll, right? But against the cap, it's only 108 because of the average annual value of yeah. – the salaries, and then you take five and a half off of that right away because they're not going to opt in for Josh Harrison again. So they they're only they're only have a hundred and three million dollars against the two hundred thirty three million dollars salary cap, so they can go out and spend some money. They can, of course, but I mean, you've also spent the most money in White Sox history this past year, and it got you to a sub five hundred record thus far. So, do you think Jerry's willing to? I, I'm sure he's willing to spend some money, but do you think he's going to spend up towards the cap? But they didn't. They didn't do anything. I mean, the money that's invested is is in the guys. It, a lot of it was invested in the guys that that didn't perform. So that's <laughs> I know that's that's what but you this- have to decide. Like, we have to bring in some. You, you can't say I'm going to fill up my right this because it didn't work this year. Here's what they did. They said, we're going to solve our right field problem with Andrew Vaughn, AJ Pollock, Adam Engel, and Gavin Sheets. And while that produced, the aggregate, the aggregate produced a, a decent amount of power, it produced zero defense. So you got to go get a real veteran presence right fielder. Well, you didn't, answer, but you didn't answer my question though. Is Jerry yeah. going to spend yes, even I more think... money than he did this year? The highest, the most that the White Sox have ever spent. Yeah, I think he is. And even if he doesn't, they spent 193. That's still they're, they're committed at 144. So that gives them 50 to six, you know, 50, 60 million to invest somewhere. 
So are they going to go get Jacob deGrom? Probably not, but there's, you know, Chris Bassett, Aaron Nola, mm. Evaldi. Those are names. I don't think Rodon would come back here. In fact, he's rumored to maybe be going to the north side of town, possibly. I think he'd be scared to come back. I mean, considering what but, they did to his body his whole time here. Well, that's fair. But, um, you know, so Jerry's, if Jerry really wants a world championship, he needs to realize he fucked up with Larusa. let them go get a fucking manager, a real manager, and and say, go get me a world championship. Mm. And, you know, we could be talking about the time. There's a, I might, I think the shortstop class that's going to be free agents this year may be essentially better than last year's. You've got Correa again, you got Trey Turner, you got Swanson, and you got Xander Bogarts. Mm-hmm. This could be the year we see team Tim Anderson slide over to second base. Oh boy. And who, are you, I, who so who are you signing amongst that tremendous shortstop class to move Tim over? Well, I mean, I would I would think they would probably the White Sox would go after more like a, a Swanson mm. for a longer term contract because he's younger. Um That's interesting. But we'll see. I mean, word. A couple articles I read said the Braves were not, uh, probably not going to re-sign him. Mm. Um, so, um, you, I'm putting you in the place of the as the general manager now, and you can sign who you want. Who is that? Who you you would add to the White Sox? No, I'd go fucking blow my low. Here's what I would if I were the general manager of the White Sox. Here are the offseason moves I would make if Jerry said, "Go win me a championship team." I would sign. Trey Turner, Aaron Judge, <laughs> and Jacob Degrom. I think I think that's probably what every general manager, every yeah. armchair general now, manager now, would say. Now, realistically, here, yeah, that's the second part they, of the what, question. What I what I think they could do is Bassett, mm. Swanson. They have the money to go after Judge. I don't think they would ever do that. I think uh, Nemo. Mm. or possibly the long the long coveted conforto deal could finally happen for white Sox twitter but um there's also jack peterson again maybe the third year he'll actually come to the white Sox. but um you know those 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 are those are all options but the other teams are going to talk about have even more money to spend so they're the they're they're up against the white Sox for all those guys too. So the other thing that's a little bit of a, a nuisance on the white Sox is um, I, I'm, I'm very hopeful that Joe Kelly, because he got a late mm. start to the season and, and was in and out of injuries this year was more of an, an anomaly for him and he bounces back. But the other one is, so we got Kelly next year for nine. We got Deekman also for another year mm-hmm. but he's only like three and a half but that's not really if, if their performance is anywhere near what it was this year it's not going to get it done but i don't think the Sox are going to invest a lot in, you know in the bullpen you got graveman back again you got you've Kelly, been investing you got in the bullpen for years now and it hasn't yeah hasn't really paid off 
yeah, it seems like everyone they comes in, they fucking fall flat except for Liam Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Luckily, Garrett Crochet is coming back next year. That's so big. That is that's huge. Big. The other thing that wasn't probably on anyone's list because they didn't see it coming uh, in such a dramatic fashion was the eighteen, the eighteen point two five million dollar investment next year of Yasmani Grandel mm. and just falling off a cliff and. To be honest with you, I don't think Zebby, the, the battery of Zavala and Grandel gets it done. So, you know, I'm not suggesting they go after Wilson Contreras or anything like that because the last thing we need is another five-year catcher contract where the last year and a half is horrendous. Not saying that that is going to happen to Contreras, but, right. you know, aging catchers are never fun. But there are guys like, you know, Christian Vasquez and Zunino who will be out there who are older, but would make a great battery, you know, especially from a defensive standpoint. And, 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 and that, and that's one of the things I'm getting at, but long story short, I'm going to, I'm going to end this now, uh, unless you have any more questions for me is, is just that the White Sox have way too much to do for a team that's in their window. And if the window was open six feet, it's down to three feet now. Wow. So if you don't fucking invest now, what are we doing? I, I, what are we doing? Unless, you know, everyone magically stays healthy and um, they all have, they finally all live up to their potential. Cause, you know, everyone was paid on their potential and no one's lived up to it. Well, that actually transitions me perfectly into a an asshole question for you this week. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Clown question, bro. That ain't no kind of answer. I'll answer the question. You're goddamn right. You may fold under questioning. <laughs> probably pretty obvious where i'm going with this but and i've asked this many times in different ways but with with perspective now when is rick hahn going to be held accountable you, you mentioned accountability uh and i think that's that's a, a great word for any organization to have especially one that's that's not living up to expectations and you know there's been built-in excuses for rick hahn certainly this year because in the last two years actually because he was saddled with a manager he did not want to hire uh mainly just because the owner went over his head because he can um but at the same time when when i guess that's just literally my question when is rick hahn gonna gonna be held accountable what what you know i don't think necessarily this year is the year to hold his feet to the fire just for that for the tlr reasons but you know, he's he's 10 years in to his general manager career of, of the White Sox. He has had two winning seasons, unless he might have three if you guys, uh, I think you're one game below 500 right now. You could turn it around this last week. He'd have three out of three out of 10 winning seasons. Uh, you know, he's 120 games below 500. I did, I did all the math this afternoon. Uh, they have one division title, two playoff appearances, no playoff series wins. Uh, he's signed free agents. You know, the biggest free agent signings in White Sox history were Dallas Keuchel and Yasmani Grandal. And we know where, where Dallas Keuchel is now. And I'm not really sure where and what Yasmani Grandal has, has to offer going forward. 
He has signed your young stars, stars to be at the time, uh, Yohan Mankata, to long-term deals for maximum money. And essentially, Yohan certainly not lived up to those numbers. And you, know, you can't even think to trade him now. He, he's damaged goods at this point with the, with saddled with that kind of contract. So Rick Hahn has worked, worked himself into a corner, essentially, where, like you said, your window of opportunity is already closing. And there's not really anywhere else to turn other than spending free agent money this offseason, which you're hoping that Jerry does. The the farm system is, at least according to Major League Baseball, uh, in, in as recently as August, is number 26 overall. Uh, only only ahead of you know contending teams like the Braves and Houston and San Diego. You have one top 100 prospect, Colson Montgomery. What I guess I just this is my loaded asshole question, of course. But when when do we have to wonder if Rick Rick Hahn is qualified? Is he a good general manager? I I've always thought he was. And gave him the benefit of the doubt. I'd love to give him shit over these years, but you, you look at look at the numbers, look at the facts, and where we're at. What, what, when, when is it time to start considering maybe he's not the guy for the job? Well, I mean, you know, all the the longest question you've ever asked me is now over. <laughs> I gave you a Thank, lot of time to think. Thankfully, um, <laughs> but um, the the numbers are the numbers. But I think you. Here's where the problem comes in. Jerry Reinstorf's the owner. And Rick Hahn, when they need to add those additional assets that will push the team over the top, and this is why you're like, do you think Jerry's finally going to spend money? I don't know. And I think Rick Hahn, to a degree, is always going to have a little bit of a I think I think I think it, it, overall in baseball because people know Jerry Reinstorf's reputation of of spending on free agents that Rick Hahn is always going to have a a little bit of a of a pass I guess um, in the fact that you know they undercut Manny Machado you know mm-hmm. you know they they. They make offers, but they never they never will go that five million dollars more to bring that player over here. So they can get the press that they made a three hundred thirty million dollar, but you won't make three hundred thirty five million dollar offer to mm-hmm. get the guy over here. Like fuck off, right? Well, and then then Kenny so, comes on comes comes to the media and tries to explain how you know whatever number that they offered is actually more than what. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Whatever yeah. that that with Machado, I forget yeah, the numbers. Was, he was, he's trying to tell us two hundred fifty million dollars is more than three hundred million dollars. It's the new math. It's Kenny yeah. math. But yeah, so that's I'll stay out of White more, Sox business though. Yeah, right. That's even more asinine, right? So and it's just another another fucking mark on on what a mess, and it's truly. The everything about whatever's on the team that starts all the way up top, and it is mm-hmm. just now you want to talk about trickle down economics. This is trickle down baseball, uh, you know, baseball management where the owner's stupidity trickles down to the president, trickles down to the GM, and then just trickles down into the ball club to where 
is it is it great that Jerry Reinstorf is loyal? Sure, it's great, but it's to a fault. Mm-hmm. It's to a fault that is costing your team day in and day out. Like if they sign Jose Abreu, it's fucking stupid. It's mm. fucking stupid. We have a logjam of like what would Andrew Vaughn's numbers be if he didn't have to deal with the mental stress of playing in the fucking outfield every day? Mm. Where would his numbers be offensively? Abreu is 36 years old. His power numbers have declined while his batting average and all that is high. I don't want Jose Abreu on the team hitting 14 home runs, no matter, no matter if he is like, he is a model player. He plays through pain, but he's 36 he's an RBI years machine. old. And he's an RBI machine, but you know what? Someone else can have him if he, if he continues to play. It's time to move on. They mm. have to make, they have to start making changes that move this team forward. And signing Jose Abreu to any sort of contract, one year, two year, three year, any contract does not move the team forward. And Mm. the team needs to move forward in some way, shape, and form. And I think, honestly, I mean, I think Rick for himself needs to look for another job, another wow. job where he is supported, fully supported by the top brass. Yeah. That, where, that was where he has a little bit of autonomy. That know, was going to be my follow-up question. Like fucking job. He he's, has he, is he going to leave the white Sox before he could be held accountable for anything? Cause he really, like you said, he's not going to be held accountable. That, that's not what the white Sox do. And he's got, there's legit reasons why he shouldn't be held accountable because he hasn't been given the autonomy. So that of course begs, begs the question that you already jumped to is when does he get the fuck out? When was, when does he get the chance to really spread his wings and do what he wants to do? He's always been under the shadow of Kenny Williams and now he's been publicly hamstrung by, by Jerry Reinsdorf. So uh, how long does how long does he let his reputation get dragged out and, and before he can get out and, and do what he really wants to do? I don't, I don't know that he was at one point, you know, that the, I think it was sports illustrated top GM to be prospect, like in 2011 or something, he was like the hottest commodity in the market. Yeah. The, I read, I just read, I forgot about this, that White Sox did not allow him to, to interview for the Mariners GM position at that point. Uh, they, you know, had promised him that he would be the White Sox GM, but they didn't even allow, allow him to to actually interview for it. So, I'm wondering uh, if things are going to be changing soon. If if we might, if we might finally see Rick get fed up. What what would that? How often do general managers just get up and quit? You see, general GMs get fired all the time. I just saw it in in Detroit. Uh, I guess Theo Epstein would be the the one example uh, where he left a year before his contract expired in, in Chicago. But that'd be some interesting news. What, what I guess that would be another asshole question. What would finally push Rick Hahn over the edge to actually tell Jerry to take his job and shove it? I mean, I'm shocked it didn't. I'm shocked. I, I was actually, I, I never, we never, I never brought this up, but I actually thought, you he was maybe going to walk after the Larusa thing, mm-hmm. um, because you remember how awkward 
I was just that thinking press of this. conference was the expression after on he's his been face. Hired, after yeah. he had announced he was hired, I mean, everyone, you know, it was fully covered that there's just this look of disappointment, and he didn't even really know how to answer the questions on yeah. on the selection of of Larusa as manager. I mean, he was he was essentially publicly neutered. Yes, in, in exactly. The- by his owner, where, where all power was taken away from him and was just given the manager that he that had no interest in. Again, thank you very much for that because now AJ Hinch is the Detroit Tigers manager. He was obviously your number one, or Rick Hahn's number one candidate at the time, but thanks for that. We'll, I'll always be thanking you for that one. But well, yeah, we'll see if you will. But well, I think you sufficiently answered my asshole question, and this is, and I set that up uh, cruelly and mercilessly. And I think you, you responded quite well. So thank you for, thank you for humoring me. Meanwhile, uh, we did bring up the Tigers several times during this White Sox segment. So we might as well transition right over to my Tigers off season to do list. Marky Anderson has joined us. First of all, how do you feel? I feel great, Mark, but let me tell you this. I'm stupid. Chris just grab a nacho. I think he took somebody's nacho. He's doing on something. Yeah, a little mid-game snack. Magnum P.I., right? Use him for an example, right? Here he is. He carries a Detroit hat around. He's talked about me on the show. And Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell go on the show. Why doesn't someone say, how come we don't have Mark Fittich on the show? I think number one might might surprise you and might surprise some people, but Scott Harris has taken over the reins. He has a large job in front of him uh, to get to know the Tiger system, know through and through their strengths and weaknesses. He's seen this from afar, uh, but he is now in inside the organization, getting to know what's what's real and what's bullshit, uh, what things they can emphasize, what things they can capitalize on, what their strengths and weaknesses are. But I think one of the first things that Scott's going to need to do is sit down and have a conversation with Miguel Cabrera. And unfortunately, I think he's going to ask him to step away from the game and it would be for the best, best interest of the Detroit Tigers, the best interest for the team going forward. Uh, Miggy almost retired and almost made it sound like he was retiring about a month ago and he quickly retracted those statements. Uh, he's, he's just... His body is failing him, and it's obvious his his uh, time as a major league baseball player is quickly coming to an end. He, you know, he reached all those milestones in the last in the last year and a half. He he reached 500 home runs. He reached 3,000 hits while I was in the ballpark this April, April 23rd. I will never forget it. He reached the 600 doubles club, uh, lofty, lofty clubs that in some cases he only he and Hank Aaron are in. Uh, he's right. done everything he needs to do. And at this point, he's clogging up the DH slot for a young team that needs to uh, perform much better than what they did this past season. So if there's a if there's an elegant way, if there's a classy way, if there's a, a solution where he's an ambassador, part of the organization somehow, you know, a, a large part of the organization, uh, whatever that the face of the organization, if he's interested in that, ask him to ask him to step away. They're gonna have to pay him one way or the other. He's got, I think it's thirty three million dollars is the final year on his contract. Thirty two. Is it thirty two? Oh, yeah. it's only thirty two then. Only 29-2 against the luxury tax. 
No, that is sunk. That's a sunk cost. Uh, pay him, make him the most uh, well-paid team ambassador in sports history. If that's what it is. I need AJ Hinch to have every available asset available to him to you know plug in players at DH, have all the roster flexibility he needs. Uh, it's just it's time, and I think with a with a new general manager, uh, it might be a little bit easier for him to come in with a. You know, cold calculated yeah. conversation than it would be for Alavila, who scouted him as a teenager, who's famous for finding Miguel Cabrera when Al and uh, Dave Dombrowski were at the Marlins organization. That is that is a father son relationship that obviously Scott Scott Harris does not have, considering he's younger than Miguel Cabrera, which is hard to believe. Um, so I think that's a that's a tough conversation, of course. But those are what GMs are paid for. Number two on my list for Scott Harris in this offseason is to at least explore the possibility of trading Javi Baez. What what can happen? What possibility there is? I think there's probably not much of a market out there for him, considering he's got five years left on a $140 million deal. Um he's Clearly not the prototypical Scott Harris player, as uh, our new GM specifically pointed out in his introductory press conference. He wants this team to dominate the strike zone on both sides of the ball. And Javi Baez is anything but the poster boy for dominating the strike zone, considering he will swing at almost any slider far outside the zone. Fortunately, he was able to connect on many of those, but that is not the not the winning approach that I think Scott Harris is looking for necessarily at this point. So I'm not sure what value uh Javi Baez could could bring in return, but I think I think it needs at least needs to think outside the box and put that out there, see if see if any anybody might be interested in him and might Ooh. might service that. Um it might the return might be way too small you know that's it's always my mantras sell high and buy low so he'd be selling fairly low although Javi's having a pretty good month and he certainly had a good week against your white Sox. so it's maybe things are looking up but of course that brings me to point number three which you you can already predict uh, if they can move Javi Baez and even if they can't move Javi Baez I I would suggest of course signing Carlos Correa. Uh, you love Carlos Correa. I do love me some Carlos Correa. Not only is playing on the field, both offensively and defensively, he, he's a, a leader, a leader in the clubhouse is, is how he's been described in both Houston and Minnesota. And that is something I think the Tigers really need is a, is a team leader. And if, if somebody like Carlos Correa could be that, you, you know, easily there, he would be become their best player on the field. Uh, if he would also be the leader in off the field, I think that is something the Tigers have, have been missing for a long time, actually. Um, I think that could, they, they could actually coexist if, if how he is, is on the roster, which is far, far more likely than unlikely. Um, I think they could figure out who plays second base in favor of Jonathan scope, uh, who could actually, you know, if he needs to play a, a utility role, uh, middle infielder, or he even plays first base. I think that that would be a powerhouse middle of the infield. And we, you know, like you and I have speculated for a long time about 
Javi Baez potentially moving to second base. We've seen it. He he did quite well in New York with his best buddy, Francisco Lindor. So, so that was kind of boring. Yes, of course, I have to add Carlos Correa to my offseason to-do list. But after that, uh, the Tigers have so many young pitchers, so many that are injured, were injured this year. Uh, but they have a lot of different, with that, a lot of different uh, names and faces got introduced to the Tigers fans that really produced on a, on a lot of levels. They had a, they had a tumultuous year with, in terms of starting pitching injuries, but it was an opportunity to see a lot of young pitchers come up and a lot of them did quite well. So that they've got some depth there, but I'd like to still see them go sign a, a, a nice free agent. And I think the perfect name is coming up. Once again, Cy Young candidate this year, most likely the Cy Young frontrunner in the American League, Justin Verlander. Sign him. He is now 39 years old, I believe. So 40. Is he 40 officially? Okay. Yeah. I can't believe he'd be demanding a long-term deal, although you know, if he's winning the fucking Cy Young at that age, maybe he's got that leverage where he could ask for a three-year deal. But if he'd be willing to do, to do a one- or two-year deal for the team that – Brought him into the major leagues where he had so much success, uh, a second home to him. I think that'd be a cool story. I think it'd be more leadership, like I spoke of uh, in the clubhouse, that they could use veteran leadership. I think he would complement a young pitching staff uh, really well. I think I think that'd be a fun, a fun uh, way to go out, and he he might be interested in that potentially. Might be interested in that kind of role. I don't think that's likely either, but I, I'd like to see uh, if we could explore that. Maybe he would be interested in coming back to the organization that has a brand new face, a brand new, brand new uh, forward-thinking general manager compared to what what the Tigers have been saddled with for so many years now. Uh, but fifth on my list, of course, is just get healthy. They had so many goddamn injuries, specifically to the pitching staff, but across the board. If they can get if they can get healthy, uh, this team looks completely different. Certainly, the rotation looks different. Uh, it's just so frustrating having so many young, bright stars in the in the rotation, especially go down and not be able to develop for this year. And I just it like to suck. see. Yeah, I'd like to see how how going forward, uh, if they can actually get healthy this this offseason, what that rotation might look like. Things hey. could change dramatically in in Motown. I'm hoping at least. Trying to keep a team healthy on the field is uh, it's the most difficult thing to do on this podcast, I'll tell you that. Sure is. Um, I think Varlander's uh, unrealistic, in yeah. just my opinion. Because of his age, he's just going to be if – this, if the, I would say if the Tigers were already in a window to be competing, he would probably be all over it. But I think he's going to just try to stay with teams that are, are right there. Now, yeah. two, years, two years from now – you know, whatever. But I, I mean, coming back with that surgery that late in his career, mm-hmm. I don't know. He might be pitching two years from now effectively. Well, he's not I mean, he's obviously down. He's going to win the Cy Young easily. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, the white, the rest of the White Sox team made sure Dylan Cease is going to win the Cy Young um, mm. as he's in a, a non-playoff a uh, competition. So, yeah. anyway, yeah, I mean... But there's other there's other veteran starters you could bring in to 
to to to help out, and you oh, have the yeah. money to do it. So I just like I it's like a throwing great that story, out there for though. the. It is a great story. Though. Yeah, it's it's my story. It's my podcast. And I you're sticking have, to it. Yeah, I'm I'm having fun with this. Yeah, you're right. It's not realistic. Many of the things I brought up are not realistic, but I thought that'd be if I was the GM, that's what I would I would do. Fortunately, I'm not because I believe Scott Harris is far smarter than I am. So yeah, we'll I, think, see. I think we're in good hands. Of course, I thought the same thing about Rick Hahn, and then I just spent 10 minutes bagging on him. So you actually posed a 10 minute question, <laughs> which is really more of a statement than a question. But anyway, <laughs> well, that moves me over to my Chicago Cubs. I'll tell you one fucking thing. I hope we get fucking hotter than shit just to stuff it up them 3,000 fucking people that show up every fucking day. Who stinks? And another thing I'm going to say. I won over 1,800 games in the manager, and I'm not a damn dumb. 85% of the fucking world's working. The other 15 come out here. I know what the big deal about Cracker Jack is. For their off-season to-do list. Well, they're signing everyone, right, Smitty? That's that is my That's plan. What every Cubs fan suggests they sign everybody. Sign everybody. Why not? There you go. Boom. And what Problem is solved. what's interesting about that? That would be naive for almost every franchise across Major League Baseball. But that is there is a possibility with the Chicago Cubs, and in fact, I think Cubs fans should expect major signings. Probably not every single signing that. Maybe I will uh, list out here, and you've heard many Cubs fans uh, pine for, but there is no reason why this organization shouldn't be the number one offseason spender. They are, they are in they have been dormant for far too long. They are the third largest market in America. They have their own goddamn television network that was promised to print money and make this team a juggernaut that doesn't rebuild. It just reloads. Well, we've already had to rebuild again, and now it is time to load this rebuild. And there's no reason why Jacob deGrom should not be uh, a, you know, a large candidate for the Chicago Cubs. There's no reason why Trey Turner should not be on the top of the Cubs list. Uh, I would say, and you you mentioned it earlier, and I've heard I've heard this too. Carlos Rodon should be on that list. Uh, I think there's no reason why the Cubs can't get those three guys. It is just money, and they have room under the de facto salary cap. They're, uh, they're committed the same about the same amount as your Tigers. I looked all this up today. They're only hmm. at like with average. Average, uh, you know, because the cap what goes against the cap is the average value sure. of of the contract. So they're only in the seventy million dollar range. They've got a long ways to go to reach that cap, and they've got the fucking money. Despite the biblical losses from Tom Ricketts, they've got the money. So let's spend it. So yeah, that's a boring. You, you predicted it. I'm 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 much like other Cubs fans. Just sign everybody. Those are the three I would go after. I want that to happen. I'm not sure that it will. I I don't think I'll uh, call you know Tom Ricketts a cheapskate if those three aren't signed by the Cubs. But I like I don't see why two of those three shouldn't be Chicago Cubs next year. The final item on my list of things to do for the Cubs this off season is new manager. Nope. Uh, not at all. I, I would like the, and I think this is quite likely actually, and I'm not sure how this is going to work out, but I would like the Cubs to offer, 
to give a qualifying offer to Wilson Contreras for one year. I believe that'd be around $20 million. Uh, that is the perfect scenario for an aging catcher that really loves Chicago and wants to be on this team. He clearly did not want to be traded this offseason or during this, this season. Uh, Chicago is certainly his home. I think he wants to be here. If he can agree to a one-year deal, that is the perfect scenario for the Chicago Cubs giving Miguel Amaya another year to develop in the minors or maybe come up, uh, get a cup of coffee with the Cubs as a backup. But like, you know, the old saying goes, there are no bad one-year deals. And again, the Cubs can certainly afford it. And I just, I love Wilson Contreras. I just would be very nervous about signing him to anything longer than a year or two at the most at this point in his career. Do you think if they sign him to a one-year deal, which I think that's that's a, a totally that's makes qualifying sense. Like offer, yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 he stays, and the season goes south. Do you think there'll be as much crying and as many hugs <laughs> near the All Star deadline this uh, year, or not? I reject the premise of your question because things couldn't possibly be going south if they've got Jacob Degrom, <laughs> Trey Turner, well, and Carl Shordan on the on the staff. Well, so you're talking year, so. you're talking about two pitchers <laughs> who have huge injury histories not anymore yeah well anyway <laughs> You're fine yeah so i don't know like i'm just saying in case things go south i'm just asking you if, if things were to go south you, you keep that and he and he was on the team this is just this is just you keep that evil on the south side i don't want any part of this no this is a hypothetical <laughs> i want to know are there going to be as many hugs and tears near the all-star you, near, okay. near the trade deadline again you got yes your joke no. in you got your yes joke or no in. i'm Can gonna say no question? Yes i'll or say no. no take it no, easy. okay all right good. <laughs> you okay now <laughs> yeah i mean i just wanted an answer i mean if you can ask a 10 minute ask hole i should be able to get a I, okay, yes or answer no your question let's go <laughs> your lame joke i i finished i don't it, think it was so. lame i think congratulations it's ridiculous um are you done with the cubs then i'm done all mute right. myself. Well, well, my computer has since died. I don't know why, because it had a, a pretty large battery. So, folks, sit back, relax, and strap it down, because this giant segment is going to have to be done by my memory. Next question. The next question, because it was stupid. He hits it high. He hits it deep. Sorry, uh, Papa's feeling pretty uh, delicious right now. Gonna step into the box, go three for four, eight RBIs, Gahim. So I know the Giants, uh, the Giants have, uh, the funny thing is, I think we all almost, we all have similar needs. Probably so do most of, a lot of the other teams out there. Um, you know, the Yankees are going to have a need if Aaron judge does not return to the Yankees, which he may be soured enough with how the negotiations originally went not to return to the Yankees, but you know, another suitor for Aaron judge besides, mm. besides the other teams we all talked about already mm. would be, uh, the San Francisco giants. Um, the interesting part about the Giants is they're only going to have about 70, they're going to have about $71 million against the cap committed. The, the, and that's because I'm assuming that Rodon is, 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 uh, and as he should, he's going to opt out and 
get a much larger sum than $22.5 million uh, with a longer contract this, this, this off season. Um, and if he doesn't opt out, I guess good for them. Cause he's pitched fucking fantastic for them. So, um, so then yeah. that, that's solved. Um, the, um, the other, the other, there's like a, uh, they got a player option on someone. Uh, they got a player option on um, uh, uh, Longoria, which they won't exercise at thirteen and a half million. So is that's he, where they. How old is he now? I know. It, luckily, it's a it's a it's a club. I say player. It's a club option. So luckily, okay. they don't have to, <laughs> that. That's over. So. Yeah. So that leaves then, you know, you, you've got like Brandon Belt's gone. He's gone. You're stuck with Crawford at shortstop. Hopefully he can stay healthy enough to have a decent season next year. But you, you've you got first base to fill. You've got third base to fill. Mm. There's plenty of names out there. Um, the question is, is a lot of those names are there. A lot of those guys that are out there are aging. Like, do you take a run in Nolan Arenado? Maybe. He's been one of the best players in the league, but yeah, he's, yeah, he's going to be 32 but, next year. Yeah, I think. 32. So then you're, you're entering that, um, that, that area, the danger so, zone, the danger zone. Right. So, and, and how is he going to get five years? Probably because of the numbers he's put up this year. Um, you know, does, does Jose Abreu go over to the Giants after oh. the Sox exited Rodon? You know, wow. do, I get just, do I just get to keep rooting for my guys on different teams on, on my two teams? So, um, you know, they're, 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 those are two holes they're going to have to fill. Um, I think they, they too have to bring in a veteran catcher just um, to help out Joey Bart. But Joey Bart, after he got sent down and came back up, has, has had a much better end of this end of the year. Um, he was, he was under a hundred in OPS plus, I think uh, second half he's like, over at least at home actually that's what it is at home he's he hits like one he has an ops plus of like 114 or, or 121 but on the road it's under 100 so that's weird that's mm. shit he's gonna have to work out um also he's a right-handed hitter and hits better righties than he does lefties so puzzling stuff but he's good defensively i think he's gonna materialize into the uh into the future uh, catcher they hoped him to be. But um, back to starting pitching for a second. So well, let's assume Rodon's gone. So they ended up signing Wood, D. Scalafini, who only pitched in five games this year. So hopefully he has a bounce back year. But you, you, have, you have Logan Webb, who had a, a, another really good year. His ERA is under three. Yeah. And then you had uh, Cobb, who they got from Tampa Bay, whose ERA is like, uh, like three, like three, two, seven or something like that. So we got two guys there. The question is you've got these other guys signed who underperformed wood and D Scalafini, you know, does wood move into like a long term role and you go after a couple of free agent starters, uh, again, under the assumption that Rodon will not be exercising, uh, or would exercise the opt out. So um, I think they kind of have to, they have enough money again, like, like that they are all, all of our teams, except for the white Sox, uh 
and they still have a, a decent amount of room to play with, but everyone else is way under a hundred million dollars. I mean, they're all 30, 30 million plus under a hundred million dollars against the cap. So all of our teams, uh, you know, have a, a shit ton of money to spend mm -hmm. to get better. So, um, you know, that, that, you know, in, in the perfect world, you know, maybe it may, I, I think DeGrom is more likely to go to the Cubs or to even the Giants before they, he would go to the White, before the White Sox would invest that type of money. And I think pitcher is always the place where they wouldn't invest money because of Jerry and we're off the White Sox. So I'm not going to get into that, but Jesus. so, so, but then you've got the same type of guys. You got Nola. Maybe they sign Rodon though. Maybe it's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to exercise this, but let's negotiate a contract based on my performance this year, that's always an opportunity there too. So and mm. I could see him wanting to stay there. I, I obviously the, the, the general, whatever it is in San Francisco, getting away from the awful training staff over on the South side, you know, worked out well for him. Yeah. He's got to have good feelings about San Francisco considering it's the only season in his major league career where he stayed healthy. So yeah. So maybe I mean, doesn't that, want, maybe he doesn't want to mess with that mojo and just sticks around. Yeah. I mean, I could see, you know, there's why, why not talk to the team you're with already and saying, Hey, sure. I, I excelled past, you know, what other, this is, wow. I'm right. I'm right there as a, as, as a pro probably could be uh, on a different team, maybe a Cy Young candidate. Um, I'm right there. I'm, I'm over 200 strikeouts. I did everything you asked me to this year. Can we get like a three-year deal done or he's got the I mean, leverage. I, yeah. He's got the leverage and I, I could, the giants have the money to do it. So I don't know. We'll see. But the, the, it, it's, it's shockingly, it's almost comical and, uh, you know, I didn't go through every other team, but it's kind of comical that kind of everyone, we're just kind of talking about the same players mm -hmm. <laughs> through, through all of our conversations. So well, it's a hell of a free agent it, class. It's fun. It is. It is a great free agent class. And uh, basically our podcasts are all competing against ourselves, which leads me to believe we'll barely get any of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Well, unfortunately, we are talking about this kind of stuff with still 10 days left in the season. It's fun to talk about. We've got a whole offseason to to check these off of our lists or see how realistic or ridiculous our, our requests are. Uh, it'll be fun. Uh, I think we need to wrap this show up with some historical things that are going on this week in baseball that don't really affect any of our teams, but certainly notable. And you, you brought it up briefly last, last episode, but of course, Albert Pujols crested 700 home runs. And also Aaron judge is on the precipice of 61 home runs. Uh, he, they are playing tonight. I think they're warming up right now as we are wrapping up this show. So might be making history uh, within moments of this recording, but you brought it up last week and I, I didn't, I kind of poo pooed it cause I'm a cynic. Uh, I don't trust anything. I I'm scarred by the Sosa McGuire, uh, home run race in the late nineties, uh, where I was totally bought in as was most of the rest of the country only to have the rug pulled out from underneath me and everyone. Um, it was all a fraud. And like I said last week, if the, as the old saying goes, if it, 
seems too good to be true. It probably is. And I feel like a lot of people are just look, you know, blindly celebrating this, these milestones. And I'm just always going to be a little bit skeptical, even though there might not be much evidence to, to back that skepticism up with these two individuals necessarily. But I just always have that. I'm wondering if you have that same skepticism or if you're, if you uh, aren't saddled with, with the same, uh, the same uh, negativity that I have. I have that skepticism with Albert Pujols. I do not with Aaron judge. And I I have reasons for both. Okay. Uh, For Pujols. It just makes zero sense. He was moving towards again, what was going to be a very mediocre I end my career with the team I started with. Yep. Um, season. No matter the the stats didn't really matter. It was just going out on a high note with a, with his original team. It was just a good story. No one was expecting anything of production out of him, considering his last several years. He did have a, a little bit of a, a productive month or two with the Dodgers last year, but it was certainly the end of his career. It was kind of surprising he signed anywhere, but it made sense that he was going to go back to the Cardinals. Nobody could have seen what has transpired, especially in the last couple of weeks alone, uh, that he would eventually end up, in fact, getting to seven home run, 700 home runs. Well, I mean, and that's where the problem is. In, mm-hmm. in more games, in what is kind of called the first half of the season, which is more games in the second half of the season, he had single-digit home runs. Mm-hmm. I think he had seven. He has hit 14 home runs. In He's at 21 home runs now. His OPS is like a one... The only guy hitting at a higher pace than him is the other person we're going to talk about in a minute. And who's not the, 42 years old or maybe he's not 42 years old mm. hasn't produced at this level in seven years or something like that. Yeah. And it just, there's something is not right here. And we started on this in how did he beat Kyle Schwarber in the home run derby? Yeah. <laughs> because ever since that the seemed home odd. Run, Ever since the home run derby on, this is this is, but more particularly over like the last month and a half, I think is what you just said, and that's it's accurate. He he's just hitting everything in sight, and it's either one or two things. He is doing something that helps his body metabolize and perform <laughs> at a level that is of his thirties, early thirties, mm-hmm. or. I God, I can't believe anyone would 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 do this, or he knows what's coming before it's coming. That is the only way to make sense of oh, what like Albert Pujols is doing, or like a trash can or something. Of, I don't of know. The sort. Maybe someone's uh. done, maybe Albert Albert has the pitch com in his uh in his helmet. I mean, I don't know. It's just there is there is no logical reason why Albert Pujols should be doing what he's doing. Other than the best news for the Cardinals is he hit his milestone similar to what you were talking about with the Tigers. They don't have to worry about like having them come back to hit two more home runs next yeah. year. Yeah. That that is the good news for all of us, actually. Yeah. Um the the thing where I just again, 
go look at the numbers, folks. My again, my computer died, but they are there's no way to make sense of it at his age at the 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 chart goes down yeah and now it has a spike it just doesn't make any sense i agree it makes zero sense and and while things from time to time in baseball don't make sense it's usually not to this type of level without some sort of help mhm so well and i think me I mean, this is where I go into deep conspiracy theory levels, but I think this helps Major League Baseball, and I could see how they would maybe turn a blind eye to an aging Hall of Famer and oh, not, yeah. and just let him let him get away with what he needs to get away with. Uh, and you know, that's obviously very very cynical. And you and you could point to well, they didn't let Fernando Tatis get away with anything. He is he's going to be the face of baseball if he wasn't already. But I could also argue that they did that because he was already out. He's already, you know, for crashing his goddamn motorcycle, <laughs> he's already become a pariah of sorts. Uh, so he he ended up, you know, being almost a scapegoat. And like, you know, Major League Baseball could say, "Well, hey, we're not we're not covering up for anybody. We we you know suspended our the new face of baseball. So we wouldn't do that." But I think that that could have been a diversionary tactic to. <laughs> to keep us away from realizing that they're, they're turning the, turning the other way uh, on Albert Pujols. But again, this is irresponsible podcast banter, but you know, when things don't add up, there, something's going on and it should lead to speculation. And we've seen it before in baseball. And that, that is where you and I come from. And it's unfortunate to, to be so cynical and skeptical about these things. It'd be fun just to appreciate and enjoy all of it. But I, I just, I don't, I don't buy it. It's, it's weird, too weird. So yeah, go ahead. No, you were going to start with Aaron judge. Yeah. So here's where the Aaron judge numbers make a little more sense. Despite if you look, he's at 60 and the next closest guy's at 42 and that's an, that's 18 home runs apart. And that's a lot. And the list kind of like makes sense from there, but here's, Here's and I just happened across this stat. I happened to have MLB Network on when this stat came across, and then, uh, what do you call me? Deep was it deep throat? uh, Hardball deep throat. Hardball deep throat. God, I don't call you that. I call that the segment. Yeah. How much can you tell me about deep throat? Sergio Roma, a a little bit heated there. Follow the money. The money's the key to whatever this is. Says who? Deep Throat. Who? Oh, that's uh, Woodward's uh, Garage Freak, his source in the executive. He hits it deep! Garage Freak? Jesus, what kind of a crazy fucking story is this? Immediately thrown off the belt, the glove, the hat, everything. Santa Maria! Just follow the money. I got in... Investigative journalism. I dug into the numbers, and... Aaron Judge, this has nothing to do with taking steroids or anything, has last week as he hit number 60, it was put up that he has placed a record 107 barrels mm. to balls this year. Now, that, that has nothing to do with power. That's just uh, where he's sizing up the ball and making contact with the sweetest part of the bat. Mm. The next best was Otani last year at 87. 
So I took the number of uh, home runs Otani hit last year, which was 42. Divide, oh. took the number, and he had home runs at a 59% rate to barrels. Okay. Aaron Judge is only hitting them at a 56% rate to okay. barrels. Okay, that's, so to that's put that great. In, to put that in perspective, he's just doing things at the same rate that everyone else does when they – Make solid contact. Yeah, he's not hitting. Like, he's not hitting bad balls out of the ballpark. He's crushing. Right. He's crushing balls on on the best part of the bat. That that's that's some great hardball deep throw right there. That that's well, as thank good, you very it's much. As, it's as good a numbers as you could pull up. That those are the right numbers. So that makes sense. That that's math like supporting this outlying uh, incredible achievement. And that I I I have no cynicism towards math. So I, I could, I could, I could <laughs> don't buy this. Hate math. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people do. So they do. They really do. They like to say that's not true. Math uh, I don't know. Look at the numbers. <laughs> that's fascinating. That's a great, that's great. That's as good of, good of explanation as I've heard about that. I like that. I feel much better now. I feel, I feel like some, some of my negative negativity and cynicism that have, uh, basically strip the joy out of baseball from my life can come back in because the math supports what Aaron judge is doing. I have to be honest. I was looking for, I'm so, I think like the baseball gods serve that up to me because I like you was like, man, can we just have like a good story in baseball? But it Mm. seems too good to be true. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he's, Oh, I mean, just, I was, and I don't even know what his barrel counts at now. I know he hasn't hit a home run since then but he's probably still barreling the ball at a pretty good rate. Like the fact that he has 20 more than Otani did last year Mm -hmm. is insane. When you think about it, we are, we are witnessing some of the greatest hitting of our time. His, his OPS plus is 269. (laughs) Wow. That's impressive. Yes. So like, it's unbelievable. So for me, the numbers based on that, it, what what Judge is doing makes sense. He's mm-hmm. he's hitting mistakes. He's not he's not missing mistakes. When something's left there in his zone, he is destroying it. Pujols, mm. but whatever. Yeah. I I I'm I'm with you hundred percent on the Pujols thing. Something's not right. But you know what? We're never going to find out because that one definitely would never come out of the bag because nope. they're just going to send him off in a glorious yeah, there's... Uh, a, it's pomp and circumstance and, and enjoy enjoy your 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 post-career. Yeah, I mean, the other thing with Pujols is he's a great guy. I mean, he there's no... You know, he's, he I, is, I mean, I, yeah, I hated yeah. him from the beginning because he was a Cardinal, but there's but that also works to his favor where these things get glossed over much like david ortiz is now in the hall of fame even though he was on the mitchell report because he's a good guy and a nice guy and reporters like him and i think i think that's where albert gets gets the benefit of the doubt as well but not here not not from major league a-holes that's not what we do here well, I'm glad we're kind of wrapping this up on a positive note with the with the math supporting what aaron judge is doing i'm gonna Go flip over that game. He may have already had his first at bat. Maybe I, we've missed a barrel, a ball he's just barreled up. <laughs> I'm excited about history now, so that's that's fun. But uh, in the meantime, you can catch both these podcasts anywhere you'd like to find a podcast, socks type thing, as well as Major League A-Holes. 
You can find us on social media at Sox Type Thing, as well as at Major League A-Holes. You can find our website at MajorLeagueAholes.com and SoxTypeThing.com. Our merchandise is available at Aesthetics.store, A-S-S-T-H-E-T-I-C-S.store. It's not easy. I got to remember all this shit. And I think with that, you can declare... This podcast is over. Peace. I forgot the peace. <laughs> yeah! Jesus fucking Christ, it's about time. S-S-H-O-L-E, everybody, And I'm proud of it. Word Hall Media.